All right. Today, I thought we'd discuss taxation and personal finance. Two lovely ladies uh, whose life pretty much revolves around those themes. So welcome onto the show, Niyati Thakar and Saili Rai. Hi, ladies. Good to see you. I hope your families are, are safe and healthy. Saili. Yes. Uh, yes, they are. Thank you so much, Rishi. It's a tough time, but uh, we're staying indoors, not going anywhere and staying safe. Likewise for you, Niyati, I hope. Yes, all good, Rishi. Thank you for asking. Hope everything is good at your end as well. Thank you for checking in. So far, so good. Yes. Financial year-end, ladies, and people go scrambling. What are investments that are tax deductible? Let's talk about that first. And then we shall get into people who missed making those investments. So, Niyati, let's start with you, please. Right. So, Section 80C is one of the most uh, popular and favorite sections amongst the taxpayers because it allows a maximum deduction of about 1.5 lakh rupees from your entire taxable income. Right. Yeah. So how do you sort of get to this entire 1.5 lakhs? There's a couple of ways to do it. One is investment, okay, which I'll get to a little later. The other is some options which you can consider like your LIC premiums, maybe your children's tuition fees, home loans, where you repay the principal amount and stuff like that. Okay, so a combination of these can be used towards uh, getting to that 1.5 lakh, right? When I talk about investments, there's, um, I we like to categorize them as long term and short term options, okay, only because the long term options are sort of locked in for over 15 years. Sure. Yeah. So based on your liquidity requirement, you sort of need to figure out whether you know, you need to go in for a long term option or a short term option. Right. So long term option has a variety of stuff like PPF, your public provident fund or your VPF, voluntary provident fund. NPS is also an option, the national pension scheme. Right. So these are long term options which are locked in up till 15 years or up until retirement. Right. The other category of uh, investments, which are the short term options uh, under ATC are the post office scheme, okay, which is essentially locked in for only five years. Tax free FDs. Right. So FDs are also usually uh, about five year tax free FDs you can opt for. And there's something called ELSS, which is an equity linked savings scheme, right? So what this does is that it basically invests a certain portion into equity linked instruments like the stock market, right? And uh, this is locked in only for about three years. So if you're looking for like slightly higher returns, if your risk taking ability is a little higher, then you can definitely opt for ELSS, which ensures two things. One is the lower lock in period and two is better returns in terms of um, it being linked to equity markets. You know, for people who missed out on investments that are tax deductible, Niyati, what are options through which they can still gain the benefits of Section 80C? Right. Like I said, there's a couple of things uh, last minute. If you don't have the time to make your investments, you can look at a couple of things. Okay. For example, your LIC premiums. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your medical insurance uh, premiums, for example, your uh, home loan, for example, repayment of the principal amount of your home loan. That is also tax deductible uh, in this 1.5 lakhs. Payments of your children's tuition fee. That's also tax deductible. So if you've not made your investments in time, like before 31st of March, you can definitely look at a few of these options to sort of, you know, reach that 1.5 lakh limit. Nice. Post 1st April is also when one sets goals for the new financial year. Saili, how would you advise us to go about that? So I think financial goals can be a little tricky. What happens is we get into this motion of, you know, oh, I want to save money, I want to invest, but done sort of haphazardly, it can really go wrong. Like you may not get what you intend to with that amount. You may not get the kind of return you expected, etc. if you don't have set goals. So setting goals is very important. 
and uh, we believe that honestly just start with just writing it down it can be as simple as going for a holiday and it can be as absurd as buying a vacation home it can be like completely poles apart and you may not have any money to pay to towards the down payment of that but it's a goal right that's what you work <laughs> towards so i suggest start writing them down and then categorize them into a short term medium term and long term short term goals can be um, similar like going on a holiday uh, within india outside outside is a little difficult right now but still buying a car uh, medium term could be maybe buying a house paying off a loan uh, your children's education maybe long term usually is uh, the ultimate goal which is retirement and yeah so once you have them categorized then you can sort of backtrack and look at investment options which work for that timeline and the kind of corpus you would need for that particular goal and then you can backtrack and figure out what you have to do today so that's why having those financial goals and sort of you know having them marked out on a timeline is very important yeah so now let's backtrack and do that <laughs> you already told us about the short term mid term and long term goals as mm-hmm. far as you know saving taxes mm-hmm. concern now from a larger perspective neeti like what sally talked about right. about a life short term mid term and long term goals some instruments we can use where we can put our money please right so you know uh, rishi there are tons and tons of financial instruments that are available out there it's important for you to sort of pick and choose what actually fits your goals right so for example like sally said you have a short term goal for short term goal you need the money to be a little bit more liquid you need it to be accessible for that you can like look at fds you can look at money market funds you can look at liquid funds these will all be very liquid in nature so that they ensure that you get the money you know as soon as within 24 hours for your longer term goals there's a couple of other options that you can consider obviously longer term if your risk taking ability is a little bit uh, higher you can look at short term income funds you can look at corporate bond funds These these funds at least beat inflation you can look at tax free bonds so these help in sort of at least beating inflation at the same time you're not taking too much risk that comes with equity funds or equity instruments or say for example stocks right so these can be sort of used towards your mid term goals and then finally for your long term goals you can definitely look at stocks you can look at index funds you can look at equity mutual funds uh, right because uh, equity mutual funds uh, or stocks are a little bit longer term in nature it's a story that sort of plays out over the long term and uh, you know within a short time period you never know where you're uh, caught with the uh, market volatility right so these can sort of be used to sort of fulfill your longer term goals these instruments um of course there's uh, something we call alternate options right so those are sort of your gold bonds or your private equity investments or your reits like your real estate investment trust so these also can be used towards um, you know they, they can form a certain part of your asset allocation and you can use these to like sort of um, fulfill some of your goals Sally, a lot of people have a very flawed relationship with debt about mounting mm-hmm. loans, yeah. and I find that you guys have a lot of clarity as far as that is concerned. One's attitude towards loans, how one should tackle one's loans and debt. A bit about that, please. So honestly, the ideal situation is always not to have a mountain of debt. but uh, realistically speaking yes okay you're here you have a mountain of debt what do you do about it there are two types of debt one is that we like to sort of segregate one is credit card debt and the other is any other debt which is usually long term 
so your credit card debt we genuinely genuinely have to say this one thing please 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 don't only make the minimum amount due payments always go for the entire amount because you end up paying monstrous interest on it and it's just it's unfair to you and it's not worth it so try to use credit cards only as much as you can pay the entire amount at the end, end of the month because otherwise you'll be taking on debt which you won't even realize sometimes yeah. and the other part of like the other section of debt which is like home loans or personal loans or car loans all of that what happens is usually when you yeah, when you're buying that house or that car it's an exciting thing it's fine like you know you you can manage it but then suddenly it all piles up how do you tackle it going forward there are two ways to do it start with the smallest debt first that's the first option where you know you sort of create a debt snowball is uh, somebody has called it that and i we really like the analogy so the the smallest one the chotu one go for it first so that you get this sense of achievement that you know okay fine one loan is done out of the way on to the next one and then keep doing that until you sort of finish off all your debts at the same time when you're tackling one you have to make sure that minimum payments are being done on the rest because you don't want to default on any the second option is some people say that you know smallest debt first may not make sense for them because they're paying a lot of interest on other loans so the second option is to start with the debt with the most interest rate that you're paying so you know overall you don't end up paying a lot of interest but it may be a little haphazard because the amounts may differ so you may not be able to sort of take care of it immediately and you may not find that sense of achievement but you may end up paying lesser interest overall so whatever works for you so yeah these are the two ways that we like to tackle that neeti in the west people live friday to friday i mean they you know get their weekly pay and they they just concentrate on blowing it up in india it's the other extreme i mean we let let our funds lie around in savings bank accounts and you want to emphasize what a monster inflation is and how wrong that is just leaving funds lying around in, in the savings bank account absolutely you you've actually um, you know very aptly put it indians love to just leave their money lying around in a savings <laughs> account or an fd you know and uh, fd barely even beats inflation so it's kind of uh, like your money is eroding as opposed to growing so you know uh, rishi you did this study a couple of uh, weeks ago where um, you know we said that if somebody had 50000 rupees in the year 2000 what is it worth today okay if you put it as cash under the mattress it's literally worth 15000 rupees so your 50000 has become 15000 that means your money has actually eroded okay if you bought real estate if you bought real estate your 50000 rupees would have become 5 lakhs today which is a 10x increase in 20 years if you bought gold it would have been 5.5 lakh rupees which is a 11 and a half percent increase and if you simply put it in an index fund which is basically something which copies the nifty or the sensex it would have been worth almost 7 lakh rupees today so that's about a 13 and a half percent increase over 20 years so this i think this uh, kind of sums it up you know putting it uh, just leaving it around as cash under the mattress is literally you know going to make your money erode as opposed to grow and i feel like uh, investing is the way to do it which investment vehicle you choose sort of uh, depends but um, you know keeping it lying around in your savings account or as cash does not work at all everybody wants to retire early it's our dream to have that house by the beach uh, <laughs> what if someone says i know that 60 is the official retirement age in this country but i want to retire at 50 are there any thumb rules sailee to calculate how much one needs yeah actually there are a couple so the two that we like the most are the first thing is you want to retire early 
save more simple as simple as that there's no way around it it's like um, how they talk about getting fit you know you have to control your diet and you have to exercise it's no like there's no overnight solution to it you have to work hard for it so it's the same thing there is assumption there's a thumb rule that says uh, based on the rate at which you save money you can tell when you can retire for example if you save 15% of your income it will take you 35 years to retire if you save 30% it will take you 24 years to retire if you save 45% of your annual income it will take you only 17 years to retire and obviously this is all based on a couple of assumptions like steady 7% annual interest rate for all your investments and this saving i'm talking about is saving and investing it's not not like neeti said it's not putting it under the mattress so yeah i want to start retirement early save more second thumb rule it says that retirement is not an age it's a number so when you hit that number you can retire doesn't matter if you're 50 45 or 65 it says your annual expenses multiplied by 25 should give you your retirement number approximately 25x of your annual expenses yes and these annual expenses are sort of projected to what you think you will require it's not today it's like for example if you're thinking at 30 what my annual expenses are 25x of that that's your current lifestyle if you want to project it 15 years down the line then yes assume that the funny thing is both these rules sort of assume this withdrawal rate so you have this corpus you've saved this much money but what about after retirement you know when do you think this will last how long do you think it will last for yeah actually that was you pretty much preempted my next question which is you know one is retiring in style mm-hmm. but then the constant worry is is that money actually going to be enough yes you know so you have to withdraw money so withdrawing enough so that you don't need to actually sit and make more money otherwise you're not retired technically Correct. so so the corollary to that question would really be what's a safe withdrawal rate what would that be so yeah continue yes sorry i sort of preempted it <laughs> but uh, the safe withdrawal rate is actually 4% so your entire invested corpus if you withdraw only 4% of it in a year what and leave the rest invested if you're not you're not removing the entire amount you're just removing 4% of it and letting the rest of the amount grow so what we're assuming is that inflation and uh, your investment corpus is going to grow more than 4%. So even if you remove that 4%, what it's going to do is it's going to allow that corpus to grow further so that you essentially never run out of money. And whenever these thumb rules sort of talk about retirement, they don't say that you know acha after this you never have to work again. It's up to you. Like I know my grandmother; she still works at seventy-five because she loves doing what she does. Uh, it's up to you how long you want to work. It's just we're talking about retirement as a concept, which means that you're uh, in a state of financial freedom that you don't have to worry about where your next paycheck is coming from or whether next month your income is going to be sufficient. It's a state of zen. It's a state of financial zen. <laughs> That's very well put. <laughs> we like to call retirement. Listen, I I. follow you guys on social media and uh, for those of you who are listening watching at fin cocktail we will talk about that in a bit at fin cocktail and i noticed that you've done a wonderful analogy i mean we're a brand obsessed world neeti you guys have done a wonderful analogy of spending on brands versus buying stocks in the brand fab comparison and i'd leave you to uh, tell the end of that story right so let's say for example in back in 2006 you spent 5 lakhs on buying a maruti suzuki swift right today that is essentially worth nothing because of depreciation right at the same time if you had chosen to buy stock worth 5 lakh of maruti suzuki in the year 2006 
today it would have literally been sitting at a value of 50 lakhs so that's literally a 10 fold increase in the stock value right this is not to say that you know you don't have to spend on things that you may actually need or want you know everybody has needs and wants and everybody needs to spend on things from time to time but what i'm trying to say is that for example your budget for buying a car is 15 lakhs then just step down a little bit buy a 10 lakh car and buy and buy stock worth good quality stock worth that additional 5 lakhs right you'll be better off 10 years down the line because your car will literally be worth nothing back in in 10 years but the stock will definitely be worth something if you're invested in like you know the good quality stocks you know so it's it's such a cliche to turn around and say equity mutual funds you know they are sexy they are in and things like that but i like that you guys say that debt mutual funds are attractive too and you do have your reasons neeti would you share them absolutely so you know like i said you know equities the uh, return expectations risk appetite liquidity requirement everything is very different from uh, person to person right so we like that mutual funds from uh, a couple of for a couple of different reasons right uh, one is for diversification it literally shields your portfolio from the volatility of equity investment so it brings that stability it allows your portfolio to grow at a steady rate and it does not much fluctuation of volatility involved so from a diversification perspective it's a great investment second is from risk management like i said the equity is high risk high return that becomes low risk low return so obviously there's you know there's there's different uh, expectations of return for people right some people for some people capital preservation is of paramount like it's of paramount importance they don't want to lose their capital at any cost for this uh, reason i think uh, debt mutual funds work wonderfully or any kind of debt uh, investment works wonderfully and third uh, i like that mutual funds because uh, they provide regular income so for example if you are invested in a tax free bond or a debt mutual fund or a corporate bond um they'll pay you a weekly fortnightly monthly or semi annual kind of interest right so for people looking for this regular income stream it's a great uh, option of investment 